Hey men, and welcome to another episode of Quality Manhood, a show meant for Christian men seeking to understand how to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of the hosts of the show, PJ Burner, along with my co-host, Kellen Allen. What's happening, guys? You were supposed to bring the foreign language. I know. I just tried to stretch it out. And What's happening, guys? I don't know. That's I, English. It is. Like, I know that. I, you you got to... I want to throw you a softball. I want to see if you can well, get that one. I got that one. All right. Yeah. So yeah we'll, next time. We'll advance. Maybe. Next time. I expect something more unique. <laughs> Hey, I was watching uh, the NBA last night because it was a slow night around my house as far as uh, sports go. Uh, spring training baseball was not televised. I like and, how you uh, call NBA a slow night like, as if that's just not an important sport. It's very important to me. Well, to you it is, right? <laughs> but for me, you know, the the spring training was not televised, so I couldn't watch that. And there was no hockey to watch, and it's not football season. Wow. So, wow, just low on the pole for and, you. And NBA happened to be on ESPN. When I opened up my ESPN app, there was – and it was not just the NBA, but it was – if I have a team in the NBA, it's it's Dallas, That's right? Fair. That's fair. Because it's Dallas all the way. There you go. And the Mavericks were playing the Clippers. And so I started to watch a little bit. And as I was watching, of course, as always happens, there's a, a drive through the lane and the whistle blows because the NBA is one of the most congested and <laughs> unsmooth, awkward, staccato sports out there, right? I, I, can, I, can, I can track with you there. Yeah? Yeah. So uh, guy drives the lane, goes in for the layup, goes in for the dunk, whatever, and is contested and the whistle blows because it's a foul. Yeah. Now, Kellen, have you ever seen... Well, maybe you have, but how often do you see an NBA player who is called for an infraction, a foul, say, yeah, that was me. I totally fouled the guy. LeBron always owns up to it. No, no, no way. LeBron has gone to the school of Tim Duncan, of the hands in the air, (laughs) looking incredulous over every single time. There's no way it could have been me. What? I wasn't even in the game. I was sitting on the bench. Right. LeBron, you, yeah. LeBron thinks he's the Jesus of the NBA. Like, don't, do you not know that I am I'm impeccable? It's impossible yeah. for me to commit a foul. Yeah. You're wrong, bro. Right. Yeah. You are clearly wrong. No, it, it happens all the time. And I can't just play in basketball, basketball myself. Um, I fell into that camp plenty of times where you, you know you foul the guy, but you're so quickly to point out, like, I, I didn't do anything. I didn't right. touch him. Or, ref, you have to be wrong and never look at it of, Hey, maybe I did foul. Maybe, right. maybe the guy is bleeding because of me, right. or maybe he's laying right. on the ground just rolling around because I put him there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You punch him in the chest. You're like, it was all ball. It was right. clearly all ball. <laughs> like I don't know what you saw, but the guy I, has a broken rib cage because of you. I, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't no, do it. This was it, he traveled before I mugged him. <laughs> you, why didn't you call that first? Right. right. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy, and I guess it's better than soccer, right? Because in That's soccer. Bad. Like, they don't even touch the guy, and the guy falls down. And he dies, and, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And there's some legitimate gripes in soccer, though. I guess that's the difference, right? Right. Is the, the, the offender in soccer is rarely the offender. He usually is the guy that just ran by, and his wind took out the other player. Just completely just knocked him off his feet. Right. Yeah. And it's in every sport, right? In baseball, you've got the batter who the strike is called on the batter, and the batter immediately wants to argue with the umpire, saying, yeah. your eyesight is worse than mine, and I judge that better. Or the pitcher doesn't get the call, and he throws his hands up yeah. in the air and yeah and, and the, what i love about it now even in sports so we got even though it slows down the game but got technology so they oh, yeah. actually go there look at the replay validate it and people still don't like it yeah. no 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 let me see it let right. me get up under the tent right I, I think you're wrong there uh yeah it's just it's crazy how much we quickly point the blame to somebody else or it's always somebody else's fault um, but the one sport 
you mentioned it that I will give credit for because you don't see this that often. And I'm not a fan of the sport, but hockey. Yeah. Like those are some real dudes. Like they get their teeth knocked out and yeah. they don't they don't even blink. They keep like, going. Let's just go. Yeah. 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 You mentioned replay. I was watching last night in this game and there were two coaches challenges. And uh, of course, when when Rick Carlisle, the Mavericks coach, when he challenged, I'm like, oh, that's a good good challenge. You should have challenged that. That was clearly not a foul. That was all ball. He got the ball, that, you know, and they uh, they ruled that it was indeed a foul. Well, then I don't even know who the Clippers coach is because L.A. sports are irrelevant. Tyron Lue. He used okay. to be the coach with LeBron. He won a championship, by the way, one of LeBron's uh, four championships. I don't know if you asked all that, but I just figured I'd say it. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't ask any of that. Any <laughs> Not of that. even close to it. Uh, anyways, so this guy challenges, and of course I'm like, oh, man, why are you challenging? That's such a wasted challenge. That was clearly a foul, and it was – they said no, there was no foul that in in the L.A. because the NBA bows to the L.A. sports. I mean, they just do. They just do, right? That's where the money is. Yeah, and so they they undid, reversed the foul. But even to your point, afterwards they were still arguing the call on both sides, right? Yeah. They were still saying no. That's even though technology demonstrated, they were saying no. That's wrong. That's yeah. wrong. I'm right. It's ridiculous. It, and there, there's one more sport, and we you'd have to look at this on your own. But there's a sport out there in Russia called rug ball. R-U-G-B-A-L-L, rugball. And essentially what it is is guys on a basketball court, but they're basically wrestling and slamming each other to the ground. And it's the most uh, disrespectful thing (laughs) and craziest thing to a basketball player, but it's probably one of the most entertaining things I've ever seen. And look at it. I won't won't tell you everything, but like guys that get body slammed and they just get right back up and play. Nope. They're not looking at the refs. They're not calling fouls. They're getting clothesline. It's crazy, but uh, dude, yeah, you're that, not lying. Like I'm looking. I looked it up, and they're wearing like full on wrestling leotards. Yeah, I mean, this. one guy literally got a forearm to his neck while he was doing a layup. He fell on the ground. I thought he died, but he got back up, and ran back down. And you're like flagrant one. Yeah, right? I don't even think there's refs. And if there were refs, they weren't calling anything. But nobody complained. So anyway, yeah, nobody's pointing. That's crazy. At other people. That's crazy. Uh, and that's that's true, really, like we've said, across the board in sports. Even tennis, right? Talk about a sport, right? Tennis, you've got the the players there, and uh, and it's just the, the, the serve is out, and they want to challenge it, and now they've got the little like video where you can go and see where the shadow of the ball hits and whether or not it was in or not. So it's in every single sport, right? I guess, so here's a sport, right? Golf. Golf. Here's one where you really can't blame anyone else. Like, it's you, the club, and the ball. That's it. And I, But even there, sometimes they get mad at the caddy. They're like, dude, you told me it was this yardage. And well, I they, hit. Get, they get mad at the club, too. I've right. seen clubs get you know, Tossed, bent over bent, knees, thrown, thrown in ponds. Yeah, yeah like, buried. I should have never bought you. Right. What? It's clearly your fault. <laughs> yeah. That may be true in sports, but men, what we want to talk about in this episode is how that can't be true of us in the Christian life. That we need to make sure that we as godly men are asking ourselves the hard questions and not just sitting here saying, you know, it's everybody else's fault or my sin is because of my circumstances or my bad attitude is justifiable because of this or uh, my lack of spiritual growth is okay because I've got this going on over here. We want to make sure that we are looking inward, that we are being being circumspect, um, introspective rather about our own lives and 
and really asking ourselves some difficult questions. So we want to talk about some questions that we should be asking ourselves. And these are questions that came from John Wesley. Uh, So Wesley was a a man super devoted to um, godliness and holiness. In fact, he had a a club right in uh, in college called the Holiness Club. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to live a godly life before the Lord. And uh, and so here's some questions that Kellen and I are going to walk through with you that Wesley used to ask himself regularly and uh, to keep himself in check. And that was uh, helpful for him. And I think they would be helpful for us. So uh, there's 21 of them. We're not going to go through all 21. We're just going to go through a handful of them together. But uh, as we typically do, we'll, we'll give you the question to, to contemplate and then we'll, we'll kind of workshop it a little bit. The f- first one he asked himself regularly is this, am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I am? Mm. In other words, am I a hypocrite? Yeah. That one, man, that... I feel like we could just spend the rest of the episode on that yeah. one, right? I mean, how often and how important is it for us to to not just ask that question about one area of our life, but about so many areas of our life, right? I mean, Kellen, how many times do we get the question, hey, how how are things going for you as a, a dad? Yeah. And what do you, you want to reply what? <laughs> you you want to just tell them the truth. Um, no, you want to tell them, dude, I'm, 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 <laughs> Mr. Cleaver from Leave It to Beaver. I'm like, everything's good. We're buttoned up. We're good to go. We've got our, our ducks in order at home. Yeah. I, yeah. You, you want to tell them that, but um, really, I think what ends up coming out is, you know, we oftentimes just say everything's, yeah, everything's good. And we leave out the the serious stuff that's going on and the struggles that we're having. Yeah. And yeah, and things might be good, but I think at times we need to look at ourselves and uh, one, understand it. If things are not good, if there are challenges, then maybe God's put that person in front of you to ask that question so that people can be praying for you. And when we just brush it off and say, hey, yeah, everything's perfect. Everything's good. And we move off. There's two things that do. One, does that One, it's a, it's a lie that we're telling somebody when things aren't really well and maybe we need that prayer. Um, and then two, when everything's always good, you almost become unrealistic, right? right. If you, especially if you're a, uh, a church leader um, or leader of a small group, whatever that is, you got guys that look up to you um, in the ministry, and everything's just always picture perfect. Well, they're probably not going to want to come to you just because you know, right? You're, you're you're at a standard that they can never get to. So right. it's like, let me go to somebody that actually has that knows what I'm going through and that can walk me through some of these challenges. And it's it's really foolish, man, because we're we're trying to create this persona with other people that we're better than we really are. When really the only person whose opinion matters, who is God, right, mm-hmm. knows us, knows what's behind the facade knows who we really are, knows what's really going on. And so we're not fooling him. And really what we're doing is we're, we're jeopardizing more of our, our intimacy with him and our, our sanctification because what's leading to this is really pride, right? Yeah. We want to be thought of as a, a certain way and, and in a certain way by others when that may not be who we are. So are we uh, putting ourselves out there as better than we really are? That's a good question for us to ask daily and make sure that we're, we're not doing that in so many different areas, whether it's parenting, marriage, uh, just spiritual disciplines, work, whatever that arena may be. Are you a man of integrity or are you a man of hypocrisy in that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, w- another question that he asks himself is, am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? Am I a slave to dress, friends, work, or habits? And you can you can pick any of these. And I think one that, that shows up a lot, especially for men, is, is habits, um, is we have our calendar, we have our schedule, we have our routines or things that we like to do. And if they get disrupted, then 
everything else just falls apart in our life. Like we become angry, we become frustrated, we take it out on the person that uh, was the inconvenience to us. Um, and again, we, we can't be a slave to the things that we have go, go on. Um, there are things that are going to show up in our lives that we need to be able to deal with. Uh, God's trying to grow us, sanctify us, um, and we need to be able to say, I'm not going to you know, white knuckle my, my, my routine so much that I can't even function if I get thrown off. We need to be able to be adaptable um, and not be a slave to our habits. It's good to have routines. It's good to have um, a schedule, as we talked about, being productive here uh, on many occasions. That's good. But as we always sort of back in that is like, don't be a slave to those things um, because that can then throw you off. And what, again, what God's bringing into your life that is there to help you, you can't even benefit from it because you're not even focused uh, because you're worried about your routines that you had. Right. So, yeah. Clothing, friends, work, habits, uh, to be a slave to those things is to look to them to be something that only Christ is meant to be. It's to look to, to them to be a source of your identity, your value. And if they, like Kellen was saying, if they get interrupted, uh, man, watch out because out come the claws and you get frustrated, you get angry, you get short, you get um, just sinful in, in a litany of areas. So yeah, just being careful to, to look at our lives going, okay, does anything own me other than Christ? And if... Mm-hmm. If there's anything that owns me other than Christ, that is something that needs to get adjusted and put in its proper place, which is in submission, uh, not in ownership. This next one, I love the way that Wesley used to ask this, and I think it's so practical and helpful. And he Mm -hmm. says this, did the Bible live in me today? Did the Bible live in me today? Notice it's not, did I do my daily Bible reading? Right. But did the daily Bible reading live in me today? And why that's so helpful is I'm realizing more and more, guys, if we're not doing something with the Bible, doing something with the daily Bible reading, well, then we're putting our trust in a work for our relationship with with the Lord. Uh, We're we're short-circuiting that process of God communicating to us. He's given us his words that the word will, as Wesley put it, live in us so that the word will impact us so that when you do your daily Bible reading, man, at the the end of it, you should be walking away with something you're going to chew on the rest of the day. You're going to meditate on the rest of the day with something that you need to change about your life, uh, with something that you can walk away praising God about in in, uh, in glorifying him for, um, thanking him for, but not just saying, well, I did it. And so check, let's move on. It's not just about doing it, but like Wesley says, it should be living. In fact, not just Wesley, God says this, right? In, <laughs> yeah. in Hebrews chapter four, he says, the word of God is what? Living and active, right? right? And it is a sh- surgeon's scalpel. It, it is piercing to joint and marrow. Um, and it's laying us bare before the Lord. And men, are you allowing God's word to do that to you uh, on a daily basis? Are you allowing the word to live in you daily? Yeah, not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And even praying that before you open up God's word of like, God revealed to me today how I can apply this. And, you know, just that simple prayer, God will open up um, a door to where you'll be reading scripture and see that show up in that day of how you can apply uh, what you read uh, from scripture. The next one here is, am I enjoying prayer? Am I enjoying prayer? And that one is another big one here because, you know, sometimes we don't realize the blessing and the gift it is to be able to pray and pray to God and knowing that as a, a Christian, that God hears our prayers. God wants us to pray to him. He wants us to make our requests known to him. Um, and are we enjoying that? Do we realize that we have a relationship with God, who is sovereign over all, the creator of all, 
is is wanting to listen to us, um, and how much do we actually do that? Um, and how how often, uh, on the flip side, are we so quick to say, "Hey, you know what? I, I got to go talk to my wife, or I got to go even do things that might seem godly. I, I need to go call this person uh, that needs help within the church." You could be doing some godly things, but let's not let's not let those uh, trump the power that we have to be able to pray to God. And are you enjoying it? In any waking moment that you have, any any five minutes that you have, are you constantly trying to fill it with social media or things that are quote unquote entertaining to the flesh? Or are you saying, hey, I'm going to have this quiet time to just talk to God, to just thank him or about to go in this meeting to uh, pray that this meeting goes smooth. And so understanding that God is, um, he's responsible and he can make anything happen. And even things that we do daily, even the breath that we take, those are all gifts to us from God. And so enjoying that time of prayer and knowing that it is a, a blessing that we get to have that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, if you thought about, pick your favorite president from the the past, right? The, the guy that you think, man, it would be so cool to have had five minutes with this guy. Mm. And imagine going in and, and sitting down with him for those five minutes, just you and him, and ask, your, ask yourself how you would approach that. You know, would you be dreading that? Would you be thinking, man, this is burdensome to me. This is just something that I have to do because I'm supposed to do this. Uh, you know, would you be sitting there checking your watch going, man, has it been five minutes yet? Can I get up? Can I leave? No, you wouldn't. You'd be soaking up every every second of that and you'd be enjoying it and you'd be in awe of the fact that you're sitting down with this guy, right? This hero of yours. Why isn't that the way that we are with, with God? Well, I think one of the reasons that it's not the way we are with God is just a, a lack of belief and, and faith in what it is that we're actually doing when we pray, that we are, when we pray, coming before, as the writer of Hebrews says, they're the throne of grace to find grace and mercy to help in time of need, that, that we are coming before the God of all of the universe in, and we're, we're talking to him and he's listening to us, right? Yeah. Like how amazing is that? And, uh, and yeah, should we enjoy that a hundred percent? Yeah. Are you enjoying prayer? Uh, probably one that we need to ask even before that. Are you praying? Yeah. Um, are you even praying to begin with before we're talking about, are you enjoying prayer? Uh, and hopefully you are. And then hopefully that's being cultivated into an enjoyment of that. Next is, uh, is this question. When did I last speak to somebody about my faith? When did I last speak to someone about my faith? Uh, again, we're, we're trying to get introspective, asking ourselves these tough questions, because these are things that we should be doing as, as men of God. And, uh, and sh- certainly sharing our, 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 God, our testimony with other people uh, is huge. Kellen, we just experienced this recently with a, a men's breakfast that we did here at Compass Bible Church, where we had a, a few of the men in the church get up and share their testimony. And, you know, we've done various men's breakfasts and done some things that I think have been good and helpful, but I had yeah. more guys come up to me and say, that was the best one we've done than uh, really any other one that we've done to, to date. Yeah. And I think it was because of the power that's contained in sharing a testimony. And even for believer to believer, what an encouragement that can be. Mm-hmm. But certainly God has given you a story of how he saved you in order to tell other people, Romans 10, so that you can preach, so that they can hear, so that hearing they might believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and believing they might be saved. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, sharing your faith with other people, super, super important. When's the last time you did? Uh, and if you're sitting there going, I, I don't know who that would be, start with your neighborhood, right? right? I mean, God has dropped you into a mission field where you live and ask the question about the person next door on either side of you, across the way, across the street, whatever, uh, you know, do they know Christ? And if not, find that time to, to sit down and, and share your faith with them. The next one is, 
Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold resentment toward, or disregard? And if so, what am I going to do about it? So as I'm reading that, you probably had somebody come in to mind, uh, whether it been somebody from your past, a coworker, uh, somebody that you just had disagreements with before, and uh, there's just not peace between the two of you. And in Romans 12, Paul tells us, uh, really in verses 14 through 21, he starts off in 14, he says, bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. And then he, he jumps down, I'm going to jump down into verse 18, and what I want us to hone in on, even when we're thinking about this question is, he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So understanding that, look, you're, you're going to have disagreements with people, there might be people that, um, you know, at the time when you split apart, that it might not be peace, but our job as Christians is to be able to forgive, to be able to live peaceably with all. And so what are you going to do about it when you have those situations, when that person popped up in your mind? What have you done? Have you at least prayed for them? Um, have you at least prayed for God to open that door for you to have that conversation? Have you reached out to them to try to figure out what needs to happen uh, to to live peaceably with them? Because understanding that it's far bigger than you and I. We represent Christ, and if that person's a non-Christian, this is a great opportunity for us to witness and for them to see the love of Christ because we know Christ first forgave us. And so we want to do everything that we possibly can to make sure we don't have those situations where people we fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold resentment toward or disregard that it's just continuing to linger on. We need to be able to do something about it. Right. And, you know, even what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, look, when, when you're going to worship, he says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, right? So this isn't even just, hey, somebody's offended you, but maybe you've offended somebody and, and you're aware of that, right? And you're sitting there going, man, I, I need to go be reconciled to that person. Uh, maybe you understand why they're upset. Maybe you don't understand why they're upset, but that's part of that concept of living peaceably with everyone. And, and we need to certainly be striving for that, men. One more question to consider uh, on this episode, and that's this one. And this one's huge. And uh, initially, you're going to hear it and think to yourself, of course I do. Of course he is. Uh, but really think about it for a moment. And that is this, is Christ real to me? Is Christ real to me? Um, not is he just a, a good luck charm? Not is he just part of my cultural uh, identity? Not is he just part of my heritage and upbringing? But no, is he real to you? When you read the word of God, are you dwelling on meditating on the fact that this is the, the word of a living savior, that Jesus Christ is alive today, seated at the right hand of God, waiting until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet, waiting to, to hear the father say, okay, now's the time so that he can come back for his bride, the church, waiting to come back. Uh, once he's, he's come for his own, he's coming back, not as, as savior anymore, but as judge. I mean, is, is this all real to you? Is it real to you? Hebrews chapter seven, that Jesus is living to make intercession for you. Um, is it, is it real to you that he is your great high priest? Is it real to you now that because of Christ, you can draw near to the throne of grace to find help and need in, in grace to help in time of need with, with boldness, it says there, is this real to you? Or is this just a story that you've kind of added into your story because it's been convenient for you? Um, is Christ real to me? Yeah. And once we realize that we can answer that question and say, Christ is real to me, uh, a lot of times that shows up in trials. Right? And Paul talks about that in Philippians is like, look, he, he's, 
he's telling the Philippians, hey, thank you. Thank you for all that you, in chapter four, thank you for, for having concern for me. But just so you know, I, I'm not in need. Like, I'm content. Like, I have everything that I need in Christ. And that shows for us in trials. We're able to see um, in trials, are we actually believing what we say we believe? Because it's one thing when everything's going good just to say, you know what? Yeah, Christ is real to me, of course. But then when a trial comes, when a challenge in your life comes up, then that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where we can say, is Christ real to me? Those promises that he gave me that he's going to supply my every need, not what I want, but my every need, can I truly believe that? Um, can I rest assured that he's sovereign? He's in control of everything. Even this hardship that I'm going through, is it real to me that, that he's right here next to me, that he yeah. knows what I'm going through, that he's going he's gonna to see me through this? So those really show up for us when we go through our trials, not just when we verbalize it. Right. Right. So, man, again, these questions, hopefully they've been a help to you and a challenge to you. Even just one or two of them you can grab and, and say, hey, yeah, those are, are beneficial. I need to ask myself this and, and dwell on that. Uh, because we need to be introspective. We need to look at ourselves and say, man, it is, do I have something that's out of line? And if I do, I need to bring it back in line. And uh, speaking of thinking better of yourself than you are, the Cowboys got Dak back. <laughs> just gonna, nothing? Just going to lay out on that one, huh? Um, um, didn't expect that ending, did you? It took, it took yeah. a long time, yeah. and yeah. I, I didn't think it was going to go that way. $126 million guaranteed. You know what? Maybe our next episode is going to be on how to deal with money. Are we being introspective right now about his contract? I don't know. Like, what? How did we get here? I, we we just did because I'm trying to tee up our next episode. Okay, and, that's fair. You know, this is real life, guys. You guys don't understand how many takes we took to get Kellen's last question done. Uh, yeah, um, it, it was a rough one. It was rough, but we got it. Yeah, we got it, and hopefully it was beneficial. But yeah, Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Cowboys, 126 million dollars. That's a lot of money. But you know what the writer of Ecclesiastes says? Doesn't it's, mean anything. It's not enough. Doesn't mean anything. It's not enough. It doesn't mean anything. It's going to be vanity. So maybe our next episode will be on uh, just stewardship. Maybe that's a good one to do. Of $126 million. Of $126 million. I mean, if God wants to test me with that stewardship, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I, don't, I would assume you would be too, but yeah. no. Uh, yeah, man, we will be praying for you this week and even right now uh, to, to begin to ask some of these questions of yourself and your, your own relationship with the Lord, your standing with Him, your holiness, your godliness, and we're going to be praying that you grow in all of those areas as well.